Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm 29 years old, and I've never really felt comfortable in my own skin. But that's normal, right? Every young woman feels like that. Except I'm not a young woman. I know that because even implying that I might be for a second makes me feel like astral projecting right into the centre of the sun. What I am is non-binary. My name is Caitlin. Have you come out to your family as non-binary, Caitlin? And that's Amru. We're making a podcast about coming out and figuring ourselves out. I still have a lot of questions. Do you think you know what non-binary means? How did it feel? So what exactly is tucking? Some questions are bigger than others, but all of them are worth asking. You might have heard the term non-binary. This is how it feels. NB, a new podcast from BBC Sounds. Hello and welcome back to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. Today we're going to be talking about our first principle of healthy eating, eat colourful. I'm here with Dr. Anita Mitra, who in all her glamour has just stepped off a plane from Amsterdam, having presented at an international conference. She's an obstetrics and gynaecology trainee with a PhD studying the vaginal microbiome in cervical pre-cancer and training in medical biochemistry. Stick around to the end of the pod for tips on how to eat more colourful on a daily basis. But right now, let's get into talking about why we should eat colourful. A lot of people are probably scratching their heads right now as to why Dr. Rupi has got a gynecologist to talk about plant chemicals. He's completely lost it. The book writing process has taken over him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Do you want to explain to the listeners as to why I've had the pleasure of having you in? Yeah. So, um, hi, everyone. Um, so, I know a lot of people don't believe in past life necessarily, but I have definitely had one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I actually did a degree in medical biochemistry before I went to medical school. So, I spent three years just being a pure science geek. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last year, I worked in a research lab um, and it was a cancer chemo prevention research mm-hmm. lab. So, what we did was we um, looked at the exact mechanism of how different chemicals that we find in foods um, are anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also um, translated some of this research into clinical studies where we actually looked at how they can be used for patients undergoing cancer therapy at right, the time. Right. So um, pretty interesting. So yeah, I spent mm. a couple of years actually working in that lab. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of um, how I also became interested in lifestyle medicine in general. Yeah. Um, because it's when I first started to really realize that what you eat really does matter. And it's not just about how many carbohydrates or 
you know, how many calories you're putting totally. in or whatever. Yeah. It's about the quality of what you're eating exactly. as well. Exactly. And that's kind of how we bonded as well. This love of plant chemicals <laughs> and phytochemicals exactly, and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. That's how Rupi and I met via Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I think like Instagram's like the new Tinder for people who are interested in wellness. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so funny. Yeah. I'm referred to as her Instagram boyfriend, um, but uh, she, she does have a partner. It's not me. <laughs> Just to yeah, make no, sure. No yeah. rumors here. Yeah, no rumors. Anyway, <laughs> why don't we go? On. Yeah, loads of people are scratching their heads again. What is a phytochemical exactly? Can we define that? Yeah, so um, as someone who's currently learning Greek, I'll uh, <laughs> yeah. tell you that phyto is the Greek word for plant. Right. Um, so it's basically a chemical or a nutrient that you get um, from a plant. Mm-hmm. And so there's loads of different kinds of, of phytonutrients or phytochemicals, um, which I don't think we'll go into too much detail. Yeah. But the different kinds depend basically on the on the chemical structure. Mm. And just like that changing that chemical structure very, very subtly can have massive effects right? on like the, the quality of the color, the smell. Exactly. Um, that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. The reason that plants have um, phytonutrients is basically because they're part of the plant's immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... They are usually typically found in the skins. If, if, a, if a plant has a skin, mm-hmm. um, you'll find, generally speaking, the highest concentration there because they're just there to protect the plant and it's a great side effect um, for humans great. that they are really healthy for us. Great. Okay. So they're concentrated in the skins. That's why we try and keep the skins as much as possible exactly. as long as you can tolerate them. Um, so what is the difference in uh, b- b- between micronutrients and phytochemical or phytonutrients as they're sometimes referred to as? So a phytochemical always has to come from a plant, mm-hmm. um, but micronutrients can come from animal-based products as well. Yeah. Um, and they just tend to have slightly different properties yeah and i i foresee a future where at the moment we we look at vitamins and minerals and we say oh, you know you need to have x amount as your recommend daily allowance mm-hmm. i think in the future we're probably gonna have a recommended daily allowance of phytochemicals i yeah. mean right now we have five a day or ten a day depending on which school of thinking you're coming from but that's certainly something i foresee in the future with all these different phytos exactly and i think really we don't know what the right concentrations um, mm. of phytonutrients are for exactly, humans at the yeah, moment but yeah. i think that uh, the five or the ten a day rule is a really kind of handy surrogate marker and it's just a way of saying like are you kind of grossly speaking mm. eating enough of these compounds because they are one of the predominant reasons why we should eat five or yeah. ten a day mm. um, to make sure that you're getting these compounds. Totally, yeah. So there's this concept of um, plant hormesis that I want to uh, introduce to the listeners. It's where cells or organisms are challenged by noxious chemical, and they, they are literally noxious chemicals that we find in plants um, that enable the cell to respond adaptively. So actually what we do is when we ingest these sorts of plant compounds, they elicit a response that's adaptive by our body and that reduces overall inflammation that leads to health benefits. It's quite difficult to get your head around that ingesting these sorts of plant chemicals are having initially a a stressing effect on the body, but that leads to health benefits. It's kind of, I I use the analogy of exercise. Mm -hmm. So exercise is essentially an inflammation producing and a stressing producing um, activity that we do. But we know overall it leads to health benefits, improves our cardiovascular function. It essentially conditions our body to deal with more stress going forward. So um, there are tons of different benefits of consuming these different plant chemicals. Well, first and foremost, we've always known that we should eat plants, um, fruits and vegetables because they contain antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
antioxidants are useful because as part of the normal um, sort of metabolism of the body, you do make these things called free radicals. Mm. And you don't want to have lots of free radicals in your system because mm. they contribute to aging. Um, yeah. They can promote inflammation mm. and they can also increase your risk of getting cancer. Mm-hmm. Um partly on their own, but also because chronic inflammation also is one of the major causes of cancers. I think you picked up something really important there that I just want to emphasize to the listeners. It's normal to have free radicals as a byproduct of normal metabolism. So the ways our cells respire is going to have a waste product at the end of it. And it's the excess of these waste products that we need to sort of balance, right? Yeah, exactly. I think free radicals have got this really bad name. And it's kind of like, it's like (laughs) lactic acid in your muscles at the end of exercise. It's the same thing. It's just, as you said, it's a waste product and we just need to get rid of it. So by um, eating foods that contain antioxidants, then we can can help the body to get rid of these and reduce their effects. As well as being antioxidants, there's lots of scientific data out there to show that these chemicals can actually act directly on pathways Mm. that are working in the body all the time. So there are lots of um, sort of inflammatory pathways that you can have, Mm -hmm. lots of pathways that cause the cell to divide and renew. Mm -hmm. So for tissue homeostasis, we call it so maintaining your tissues. Mm -hmm. And then if certain pathways are affected in the wrong way, that can lead to development of a cancer mm-hmm. or a disease associated with excess inflammation, for example. Yeah. So these uh, compounds are really clever and able to actually act directly on these pathways yeah. to make sure that we don't have the wrong kind of tissue activity going That's on. That's incredible, in isn't it? Like mm-hmm. the degree of technology that we find in these naturally occurring plant compounds just completely overshadows anything that we've created synthetically in medicine, right? Not to say that there is one that's superior to the other, but it's just absolutely fascinating that it can have these health-promoting effects. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so some of the research that I was doing previously was looking at, um, particularly I worked with curcumin. Okay, I wanted to talk to you about turmeric (laughs) because I know I always get asked about, is turmeric a thing? Is this real? Is it it just rubbish? Is it just a trend? Well, I think that it is really important And it's a really good example as a case study of phytonutrients and how they're applicable to human health and disease. Uh-huh. So we uh, we knew from <coughs> epidemiological data, so that means data that's been collected looking at the effect of um, an agent on a population and the disease that mm-hmm. they get. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that curcumin appears to have amongst other properties, anti-cancer properties. Okay. So in the lab where I was working... Curcumin being a chemical that we find in turmeric. Exactly. Yeah, so curcumin being one of the main uh, phytochemicals that's Mm. found in turmeric. Okay. So what we did was we were using different cell lines. So it's cells in a Petri dish Mm -hmm. um, from different tissues of the body. Mm -hmm. And so what we used to do is put um, different uh, concentrations of curcumin, so pure curcumin, Yeah onto the cells and see how they changed different parts of the cell cycle. So that's uh-huh. how the cells divide. Uh-huh. And so we and also looking at other kind of cancer pathways to try and understand how exactly this compound has anti-cancer effects. Right, right. And we found some really interesting information. And we use that information to translate that into a clinical study, which is ongoing, mm-hmm. looking at how curcumin can actually be used to help people who have bowel cancer, Mm -hmm. who are undergoing chemotherapy. Right. And so if you can understand exactly how it works, then you can start to apply it to humans. Gotcha. But there's a couple of things I want to say, really. So just because something works in a Petri dish doesn't mean it works in a human. Mm, Exactly. 
Because what I was doing was literally getting some, some curcumin <laughs> yeah. out of a jar and yeah. putting it onto cells. Yeah. It doesn't quite work like that in humans because, yeah. first of all, you can have great um, basic science studies mm. like that, but it doesn't mean that the concentrations that you're putting on your cells in that dish apply to what you're getting exactly. when you go and eat your, yeah. I don't know, like some dal or a curry or something yeah. with your curcumin. Totally, yeah. So that's one thing. Second of all, there are other phytochemicals in yeah. turmeric, and mm. these probably also have an effect. Absolutely, yeah. And also, it's what you eat your phytochemical with. Mm. So if you have whole um, turmeric, you're putting it in a dish, and you mm. might be putting other things in. And black pepper is a great example. Yeah, yeah. So curcumin will be much better absorbed when you have it with black pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a really interesting study on a TV show last year. Was it uh, on one of the BBC? Tr- yeah, Trust Me, I'm a Doctor. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they were looking, not at anti-cancer properties, but they're looking at anti-inflammatory properties mm. of, of um, curcumin. And they found that People who had it in food mm. rather than the group who had it as a supplement actually did much better in terms of the outcome that they were looking at with regards to inflammation. Yeah. That was a really interesting small scale study, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was. Yeah, it was very small, but really interesting. Yeah. I think it's just a really stark reminder of the fact that you shouldn't necessarily just pick up on a compound and think, right, that's it. That's, that's what I need. Yeah, yeah. It's all about what you eat it with mm. and how you integrate it in your diet and yeah. what other compounds you're having with it as yeah, well. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, curcumin is my uh, <laughs> number one yeah. phytochemical. One of your number one phytochemicals, <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think you picked up on something really important there that curcumin is just one of many bioactive uh, compounds that we find in turmeric as a whole exactly. uh, plant where there's multiple different curcuminoids it's the arrangement of those particular molecules how they relate to the cells how they relate to our body yeah. what we ingest them with what our gut bacteria population is saying i'm actually going to talk about uh, gut bacteria and how that has an effect on health effects on a later episode but um i just want to get back to uh eating generally and mm. eating the rainbow and, yeah and you know you, you hear all these things talking about eating where i always get eye rolling from my friends whenever i say eating the rainbow but i think it's a very simple easy concept for people to Definitely. digest excuse the pun um <laughs> what does it do for us are there other benefits of this and, and you know does this actually relate to the food that we put in our plates? I think if you look on um, social media, it's really interesting at the moment. There's so much controversy about dieting rules yeah. or like eating rules in yeah. general. And I personally think that eat the rainbow mm. or even hashtag eat the rainbow, <laughs> eat the rainbow yeah. is actually just one of the most constructive pieces of advice that you could give to someone. Mm. And mm. particularly with my patients, I always, you know, I have a really short amount of time and they're really not yeah. coming to me to talk about their diet. They're coming to me to talk about something completely abstract, yeah. but yeah, that totally. diet has a really big a impact big on. Yeah. Mm. So I need to kind of give them a really, really short piece of advice. Yeah. And so I always say, you know, just something to think about, eat the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously in context, I don't just say that as they're leaving the room. You don't but... just eat the rainbow as they leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll see you next Tuesday, eat the rainbow. <laughs> no, but like in context, because I think it's something really easy that anybody can do. It doesn't take much thought. And, you know, you can be, you know, you have your plate in front of you and you think, how can I make it as colorful as possible? You know, let's be honest, like with the greatest will in the world, you're not always going to sit down and make your menu for the week and then totally. go out and do your shop. Yeah. 
But then you might have some kind of like random things in the fridge or the freezer and you just you're making dinner and you're thinking, hold on a second, how can I make this more colourful? Yeah. Yeah. And whatever you add that is natural and colourful, mm. I really don't think you can go wrong because mm. you're always going to add something good to that meal. Yeah, totally. And all of the kind of like colourful things that have lots of phytonutrients mm. have tons of other really, really good things that we want to be eating. Yeah. Like most of them contain loads of fibre, mm. which you know you can, you know, I don't think many people in this country. <laughs> <laughs> really eat too much fiber let's yeah, be honest yeah, everyone yeah. I, I think pretty much all of us could do with trying to add a bit I more fiber I think there's a common diet. misconception that like we need to be eating more protein and protein is actually yeah. deficient that protein 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 but actually fiber if you look at the studies is massively deficient in our diets and there's clear benefits of having more fiber in our diets exactly there's many more benefits from having more fiber than there are from having more protein so, yeah totally you yeah. know I think but you know you're always going to get something else good with those phytonutrients that you're putting on your plate so so just like the tiniest things like, you know, maybe you've got that red pepper kicking around in the back yeah. of the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like get it out and use it before it goes wrinkly. <laughs> and, you know, just put it, I mean, there's not many things that red pepper doesn't go with, for example. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, right. you just chuck it in and then, you know, it's almost like a, an argument for um, eating more color versus counting calories, right? So yeah. eating colorful versus counting calories is something I try and promote as much as possible because I think a focus unnecessarily on calories is quite detrimental to a lot of people is it over yeah. gets them to overly obsess about things oh completely and I personally have like been there done that you know it, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just too much mm. and I think as well that you can get really stuck in a rut when you're kind of like counting calories or you know you don't kind of explore the supermarket in the same way and I think if you go to the supermarket with an open mind or even you know farmer's market or a market wherever you're buying your food from mm. you go there and you just think okay great like what looks really fresh what's enticing me today yeah and you know color's always going to stand out at you yeah and you know if it's there and it's fresh and it looks good then you know you're going to buy that mm. and you're going to make something really nice rather than going to the supermarket and thinking okay right so i made this last week so i need to get these ingredients it's boring <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's not yeah, inspiring totally. and yeah. i think that um eating the rainbow is mm. something that you're much more likely to stick to yeah rather than eating say 2000 calories and 40 percent of these have to be protein, protein or whatever exactly you know, i yeah. think that that's just it's less strict it's way more fun you're going to stick to it totally yeah and one of the things bringing it back to being colorful and, and phytochemicals in general one of the most exciting discoveries that i had was about a certain type of phytochemical sulforaphane mm -hmm. which is what we find in uh, brassica vegetables yeah. i find it absolutely fascinating that this can have biological effects that we can actually examine and yeah. investigate in a lab and actually show why a diet that is more colorful is healthier for you. We are yeah. actually like, trying to prove the plausible mechanisms behind how these plants actually have benefits. Have you had any experience with sulforaphane or anything like that from your lab experience? Or Yeah, so I worked with um, indole-3-carbonyl. Gotcha. Um, so I Which think is that's... another compound that you find in broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage and that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I just think that there's so many studies that have shown um, health effects of indole 3 carbonyl, mm. um, particularly in terms of gynecological health as well, which, uh, sorry, Rupi, I'm going to talk a little bit about. I'm going to okay. go there. You could talk about <laughs> women's health. That's absolutely fine. I'm a big promoter of it. Please carry on. <laughs> yeah. So um, indole 3 carbonyl is a compound that in particular has been shown to promote metabolism of estrogens. Okay, so you've got two main female hormones. You've got estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. And although we do need estrogen, 
A lot of women's health problems um, that are very prominent these days are due to having a lot of estrogen. Right. So endometriosis, mm -hmm. uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome or mm -hmm. PCOS, and then also breast cancers and endometrial cancers are all estrogen-driven mm -hmm. um, diseases. And they can be really problematic or even just having heavy periods, for yeah. example. Mm -hmm. If you have heavy periods and there's no sort of known reason, it's often that you've got lots of estrogen that's causing your lining to build up right. over the month and then you have a heavy bleed. Mm -hmm. And so we get rid of estrogen in a couple of ways. Firstly, through the GI tract. So through, you know, making sure you're not constipated. Mm -hmm. So that's, fiber. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but also the liver breaks down estrogen. Uh -huh. Okay. And so you've got inducible enzymes mm -hmm. in your liver. And these help with estrogen breakdown. Mm -hmm. And indole-3-carbonyl has been shown to actually help the liver to induce these enzymes. Mm. But also, this particular compound has been shown to actually help in the breakdown itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's a really, really good compound to try and get in your diet through eating lots of things like brassicas, you know, like yeah. uh, broccoli yeah. is my absolute favorite. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because it is a way of just like helping your body to get rid of excess estrogens. And, Absolutely. you know, then people think, okay, well, am I going to get deficient mm. in estrogen? Um, and obviously, estrogen deficiency particularly causes osteoporosis. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But if you have it in your diet, it is really not... You know, it would be very unlikely. We're not talking like a medication that's going to drastically yeah. reduce your estrogen levels. Exactly. But then there are some studies that have shown that people who've been taking it as a supplement right. mm. have actually um, caused their bones to become a little bit weak. So, And that goes again to with the whole ethos of the doctor's kitchen and everything else to try and get as much as you can from your diet rather yeah. than relying on individual supplements in higher doses that you'd normally find in nature. Absolutely. So I always get challenged in GP land about eating healthy, being expensive and all that kind of stuff. How do we eat colours on a budget? Well, I think first of all, there's a couple of ways. Okay. So I don't know if I'm allowed to mention supermarkets by name. Yeah, we're going to but... talk about supermarkets. <laughs> I mean, other supermarkets are available, but you're going to talk about... I'm going to talk about... Aldi and Lidl. Okay, not sponsored. <laughs> not if you, sponsored. If they do want a sponsor. <laughs> but I think, you know, when you go to places like that, you will find amazing vegetables really cheaply to yeah. start with. Mm. So sometimes, you know, you might have to go a little bit out of your way because, you know, there's always like a little waitrose on the corner there's or whatever. There's little waitrose but, everywhere, aren't there? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, fruit and veg there will be eye-wateringly expensive mm. sometimes mm. because it's convenient. But if you go somewhere, you know, bigger supermarkets and also places like Aldi and Lidl have amazing fruit and veg mm. um so that's one way secondly i think if you're eating what's in season it's always going to be better yeah i'm a bit obsessed with um courgettes to be honest with you <laughs> i just like i love the taste of them but when they're in when they're out of season they're disgusting yeah, yeah. because they're just all water and they're horrible <laughs> and and so then i just you know i Maybe I'm not so in touch with what's yeah. in season sometimes because yeah, you just yeah. see it there in the supermarket, but then you taste it and you're like, it's not as good. It's not as good, yeah. And yeah. you know then that you're getting something that's kind of, you know, it's been flown from a long way. Yeah. So obviously it's going to cost more. Yeah. And it probably doesn't have such good phytonutrient um, density Value, as yeah, well because yeah. it's been picked before it's quite ripe. I and actually then, looked into this actually yeah. for research in the book because I'm always asked about whether we should eat local, whether yeah. it actually has an effect. Is uh -huh. it, does it have an environmental effect? 
um, element. I do touch on it in my book as well, and I do reference some papers. But um, there are some benefits mm. of eating more local on the environment, yes, but maybe on the phytonutrient density of yeah. foods as well. Because packaging, handling, uh, the atmospheric pressure when they actually ship from abroad can have a detrimental effect. Exactly. Marginal effect, but still an effect. However, that doesn't stop me from buying food that's been shipped in from miles away if yeah. that's what's convenient and what's available because the bigger picture is let's get colours on our plates exactly. first and then the let's have a conversation about locality and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's exactly. interesting to, to note your opinion on that because yeah. I do notice a, a change in taste Yeah, and as these plant chemicals are responsible for colour and smell and, and flavour, exactly. then it does tell you a lot about the, the nutrient value of your food, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I think another thing that's quite a good tip is really um, frozen and like tinned for example it's not a bad thing i'm down it, with the frozen exactly <laughs> if it means that you're going to eat it it's much better to have frozen because yeah. when you get frozen vegetables they are picked and they're frozen within hours so they're mm. going to be so incredibly fresh mm. if you know you can get a bag of frozen like peas for example or frozen mm. sweet corn and just have it in your freezer yeah and then you're cooking something and you think hey what can i do to make this more colorful i'm just going to chuck in some sweet corn yeah then that is brilliant absolutely and, yeah. and that's just something easy that you can do because we're all busy an interesting um argument about which foods are actually better in the spectrum of let's say apples like it's a red better for you is the green better for you i'm always asked that actually you know yeah. which one's healthier do you have an opinion on that okay so a red apple has higher levels of certain phytonutrients because you know the things that make it red, red in yeah. the skin mm. but then a green apple for example has less sugar mm. and has more fiber mm-hmm. um, and so you know it, it, there's no obvious one is better than the other but i think the thing you have to bear in mind is if you don't eat that apple mm. what are you going to eat instead yeah yeah are you then going to have a chocolate bar instead yeah or you actually want something crunchy so maybe you can have a bag of crisps gotcha yeah so whatever you replace it with is unlikely to be as healthy mm. um and so i think that you know if you start really getting into the nitty-gritty of it yeah. i think that's when it becomes an obsession and then you're going past the point of enjoyment then totally, again yeah. and so i think yeah all about the bigger picture mm. you know okay maybe you want to have the red one so then maybe you should have something green later you know balance <laughs> it out like that <laughs> or just like you know whatever looks the most fresh i think like sometimes we have a tendency to apply a very reductionist approach yeah. to how we eat food so yes a cauliflower that is colored might have more like a phytonutrient like anthocyanin for example in it compared to the white cauliflower but that doesn't negate the white cauliflower if that's yeah. a what you have access to or b what you prefer as well exactly. the main message is eat the cauliflower I mean it's great it's brassica vegetable it's got lots of other phytonutrients in yeah. as well so I think we need to move away from being too prescriptive exactly. and appreciate the fascinating science that there is around plant chemicals yeah. but the bigger picture the, the main thing exactly I think we've done quite a bit there. Yeah. What I'm going to do is round up with the doctor's kitchen tips for eating more colourful, which reflect some of the dishes that you're going to find in my book. So first of all, try new ingredients weekly. If you don't recognise an ingredient and it's cheap and it's colourful, buy it. Either Google how to prepare or tweet me at doctors underscore kitchen and I'll suggest a recipe. The girls from the 90s were right. Spice up your life. Do you, do you like that, <laughs> that one? That is brilliant. <laughs> How long did it take you to come up with that one? Uh, not too long. Uh, 
Using different ingredients that have pungent and aromatic flavors and are full of different phytochemicals that we've been discussing include garlic and ginger, mm. basil, rosemary, thyme. These herbs are incredible and they do have lots of phytonutrients because of their smell and their color. Use them as much as possible in cooking, if not just for the wealth of flavor and the warmth that they bring to your meals. Fold in greens. It's so easy, personally, to fold in spinach at every opportunity. Having eggs, serve it with spinach. Having bolognese, add some spinach. Like stir fries, guess what? So does spinach. Obviously, other greens are available, but I hope you get the point. Fall in love with brassica vegetables, one of the healthiest ingredients that we grow in abundance across the UK. Savoy cabbages, cauliflower, purple sprout and broccoli are chock full of all these different phytochemicals, including sulforaphane, one of the most exciting phytochemicals linked to a huge host of benefits. My recipes will teach you how to enjoy them regularly. Savory up your breakfast. So we're conditioned to almost believe that breakfast is sweet with added sugar and toast. Get used to using leftovers and vegetables sometimes that provide you with another opportunity to use plant-based foods that are colorful as well. I don't always eat savory, sometimes I like oats, but it's a good way to mix things up during the week. And one thing that I just want to make sure we have at home is that whilst we find phytochemicals and the science behind it really, really interesting, it's still in its infancy and there is loads more research to discover and lots more chemicals to add to the library, which include thousands. There is a bigger picture of how these chemicals relate to each other, how they're packaged, how they relate to ourselves. And it's something that we'll actually be talking in another pod as well. Is there anything else you want to add, Anita? No, I think we've covered it all, but I think the, my uh, final parting comment would be no one ever died because they didn't eat a green apple. They died because they didn't <laughs> eat an apple. Yeah, that's a great way to part. Find my absolute legend of a guest at Geek on Instagram, Twitter, and her blog, gynegeek.com, where her specialist interest is women's health and removing the taboo of talking about vaginas, smears, menstruation. And if you're a guy, you need to check it out too because women's health is not just for women. Make sure you subscribe to the doctor's kitchen podcast on itunes audio boom or whatever your favorite podcast player is for notifications you don't want to miss new episodes give us a five-star rating if you found this pod useful or funny spread the word spread the love it really helps with ratings socials you can tweet us at dr sam's called kitchen check out the instagram youtube and my blog thedoctorskitchen.com you can sign up for more information events and of course don't forget to order a copy of my new book i will personally come to your house with a hamper of phytonutrient dense vegetables I probably can't do that, but one day, maybe one day. Hello, I'm Mariella Frostrup and I'm presenting a new series of podcasts for Harrods. In True Tales of Luxury, I'll be talking to some of the most successful and fascinating people at the top of the creative industries about their lives and their relationship with luxury. From one of the world's leading makeup artists, Terry de Gunsberg, to one of London's top chefs and restaurateurs, Jackson Boxer. I'll also chat to the artist David Batchelor as he discusses the relationship between art, colour and luxury. And jeweller Stephen Webster, 
who describes how he designed for Elizabeth Taylor and why he's racked up a million air miles. Gemstones only come from exotic places. They don't ever find anything in, like, Croydon or anywhere. I also talk luxury with two of our most successful fashion designers, Roxanda Ilinchic and Amanda Wakely. But it isn't just about power suits for the city. It's making you feel super fabulous on the school run. True Tales of Luxury, available on Apple, Spotify or any of your favourite podcast platforms from the 4th of March. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.